that was the word of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, gifts are free. If they're not free, they're not gifts, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Holy forever, blessings unending to people who choose to follow him home. Well, good morning, church. Okay, we practiced once. Let's try it again. Good morning, church. Good Good morning. Would you say hello to somebody near you? Just turn around, say hello to somebody you don't know, greet somebody you do know. No kissing, unless you're related. Hopefully you met somebody today. I saw a few people kind of off by themselves who refused to speak to another person. They sat there like, nope, not doing it, not doing it. I'm sorry, introverts. Kind of. Do you know what skin in the game is? Um, I used to play uh, a number of sports when I was a kid. Um, And I played baseball with the bigger kids in my neighborhood. Um, We had uh, a group of kids who ranged in age from my age, about 9 or 10, up to some 16-year-olds we played with. And in order to play with the 16-year-olds, in order to gain the respect of the 16-year-olds, I worked hard at the game. And so when when we didn't have enough players, which was very common for us, we would play like... uh, Uh, only left field is open. Anything to center or right field is an out. And so you'd have to learn to hit that way. And sometimes we'd play left field as the only thing open and pitch from third base so that we'd have a third baseman and a pitcher in one. And uh, so we were always trying to make sure we could get a game together even if we didn't have enough people for a game. But I'll tell you how I earned the respect of the 16-year-olds. One day I was going around first, headed for second because left field was the only thing open and the people on that side had to get to second to get me out. And so by the time they got the ball and started running for second base, it looked like to me it was going to be close. And I slid into second base, safe. What I forgot to tell you, what I didn't tell you on purpose, is we played on the pavement. Ever after that, I got respect from the 16-year-olds. And after I'd done it once, I started realizing, hey, dive for the ball, more respect. A few scrapes and things. I was nine. I was close to the ground. Mostly. But that's called skin in the game. That was literal skin in the game. Skin in the game is when you put some extra effort into a thing. When you tried harder. When you were the guy who practiced when everybody else stopped practicing where you were the girl who were putting in extra effort so you would be better at your position than the people who were competing with you when you would take on more hustle when you would try harder it's not just the skin in the game in an actual game it's the skin in the game where you work if you're the person who always shows up on time or early you got skin in the game you're the person who's willing to take on an extra project because it needs to be done, not because you have time for it. You have skin in the game. If you're the person who's committed to being there all the time when you are needed, you have skin in the game. If you're the parent who shows up at every one of your kids' multiplying events, you have skin in the game. 
if you're the parent who no matter how mad they make you, still looks at them and smiles and says, okay, we need to talk. And you hold tight that, that voice inside of you that just wants to come screaming out and say, what are you anyway? Whose kid? If you can hold that back and you can smile and you can love them in a difficult moment, you have skin in the game. Skin in the game requires effort. It always requires effort. If it's only easy, you don't actually have skin in the game. I want to talk to you today about skin in the game. Skin in the big game. Skin in the eternal game. And I want to ask you today, do you have skin in the game? Or is Jesus the only one with skin in your game? Terry's in trouble. Here we go. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How is this working for you? Is life better than it was? Is it more abundant? Is it worse? You know, sometimes, sometimes it gets harder when you start following Jesus. Did you know that? And sometimes harder is what's required to get us in the game. Did you know that? There are a lot of people I meet who say, if this hard thing hadn't happened, I would have never come to Jesus. If I hadn't come up against this person or this event or that problem, I would have never prayed. If I had not come up to the end of myself, I would have never given myself to Jesus. How is this abundant thing working out for you? So how does Christianity work? We're in Romans chapter 6. And we've been talking in Romans about a few things. Last time I was talking to you about it, uh, Pastor Marlene talked about 13 last week. And last time I was talking to you about it, I was in chapter 5, and I was talking to you about all the mores and the much mores and the more abundantlys and the super abundantlys, right? Well, how does this thing work itself out? Romans chapter 6, verse 10. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count yourself dead to sin. Notice that it says count yourself. When you count yourself, how many do you find? If you didn't know, this is the answer. Count yourself means reckon yourself. Consider yourself. Think about yourself as if you are dead to sin. It's a change in the way you're going to focus on things. It is now you saying, when something is tempting you, no, I'm dead to that. No, I'm not into that anymore. No, I've moved on from that. No, I'm following Jesus. I am dead to that old lifestyle. It's what baptism actually signifies. You notice when we baptize somebody, we dunk them under the water? You know why we do that? Because we're killing them. True. The person is here, right? They're dunked under the water. Symbolically, they are dying and being buried. Then, we lift them back out of the water. Symbolically, they are being resurrected as a new creation. Who has died to sin is in a, and is now alive to Jesus Christ. Buried with Christ, 
crucified with Christ under the water. Resurrected with Christ, reborn with Christ, back up out of the water. That's the whole symbolism, that we are dead to sin, but we are now alive to God in Jesus Christ. We've changed the direction of our life. We talk about repentance as a just, you're going this way and you turn around and go the other way. That's what it means. It means to go in a different direction, to go in a direction that follows toward God. And this is that same thing in a different sort of picture. So verse 11 says, Therefore, since you have been dead to sin, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you obey its evil desires. Did you see the word reign? When someone reigns, they're on the throne, right? So here, let me, let me change the wording, see if you, if you get it or it digs in a little deeper for you. Do not let sin be on the throne of your mortal body so that you obey that king sitting on that throne in your life. Is that easier? Is that harder? <laughs> the idea is that Paul in Romans 6 is saying, let's keep moving you. Let's keep pushing you. Let's move you to be more like Jesus. It's quiet in here this morning because we're talking about sin, righteousness, and salvation. Don't let sin be on the throne of your life. I'll keep moving because this one's making me nervous. Try surrender instead. Try putting surrendering to God as the primary thing in your life. Offer yourselves. Offer who? Yourself. You cannot convert someone else, right? You can bring them to Jesus. You can point them to Jesus. You can talk to them about Jesus. But conversion happens between them and Jesus, right? So you're offering yourself as they would have to offer themselves. Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, which will lead you to holiness. Let me ask you a question. You got any skin in this game? Don't say it. Don't answer. Just think. Don't talk about someone else. Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, a servant of righteousness, a person who is dedicated to righteousness, which will lead toward holiness. Let me ask you a question. Are you holy enough? Are you holy enough? We're going to have a talk later. I know we will. Come to second look. There would be sparks. Holiness is the direction that God is trying to lead all of us. Right? Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. How has this worked? So here's that famous thing that I was talking to the kids about. Abraham believed God. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. When Paul 
begins his argument about these things, takes us back all the way to Abraham, the founding father of the Jewish people, the founding father of the Hebrew people. The 12, chi- 12 tribes came out of Abraham's loins. This was the man who looked up at the sky and saw all the stars when he was nearly 100 years old. And God said, you will have this many family members. And he said, cool. Which is Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him. So if it's accounted to him, did he have it before? No, it wasn't, it wasn't, ha- uh, it wasn't in him before. It was accounted to him. It was as if it was handed over to him. It was accounted to him as righteousness. His faith in God, his trust in God was accounted to him as righteousness. So look, I got righteousness. Why do I need any more of this stuff? If I can have righteousness by faith, why do I need to be changing at all? Why do I need to make myself a slave to righteousness? Why do I have to kick, off, kick sin off the throne in my life? Because you can't serve two masters. Abram believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Can I get the next slide, please? When he was old, quite old. You're going to have to run these for me now, I think. Can I have the next one? Before he was circumcised. Paul's point, Abraham was an old man who shouldn't have been having children, but he did. He was not circumcised, meaning he had not yet been initiated into the family, the, the Jewish family. This became the symbol of being a Hebrew, and he was not yet circumcised. And Paul makes a big deal of this. He said, therefore, all of those stars represented more than just Jews. They represented anybody who believes, and that is accounted to them as righteousness. So that's you too. That's me too. Anyone who turns their heart over to God and says, I will follow you home. I trust you. I believe you're trying to get me into heaven, not keep me out. So I will trust you and I will follow you home. It's accounted at that point as righteousness because you trust him. Can you give me the next one? While he was a what? Sinner. While he was a sinner. Remember, this is the guy who has a problem with fear. Remember, it particularly relates to his wife, who was apparently spectacularly beautiful, because well into her later years, 80s and 90s, kings are taking her into their harem. And he's lying about her being his sister, which is really kind of those shady lies. She is his half-sister, Don't get all weird about that. It's just a thing. Weren't that many women around at the time, I guess. So she was, he was kind of telling the truth. But he was also kind of lying. And if you're kind of telling the truth, you're lying. And if you're kind of lying, you're lying. So he was lying. So he was a sinner when God accounted him righteous. Do you know you have to be a sinner to be accounted righteous? Otherwise, you are righteous. 
right? If you're righteous, you don't need an accounting of righteousness. He was, as we are, a man who had two hearts that were on separate beats inside of him, one that wanted to go after sin and one that wanted to go after righteousness as he found himself bound between these two. And by trusting God, God said, I can work with trust. I can work with you believing me. I can work with you having faith in me. And we can start the process of your growth toward the life that you actually would like to have. And that's what Paul is saying to you and me. That's what he's trying to get us to understand. Sarah conceived then and bore Abraham a son. Now, we get Abraham all in the story. Abraham believed, and Abraham this, and Abraham that, and Sarah did all the work. I've seen ladies carry babies. That does not look like an easy thing. And Sarah was like 90 years old. Where's Joy? Joy? Are you in? Next year at this time, Joy will be having a baby. I am not a prophet. Do not make that her deal. But that's what you have to understand. Sarah and Abraham were older people, and they had a baby. How many of you have been around a tiny newborn baby? Are they easy? That's why God makes them cute. Otherwise, no one would keep them. I'm just kidding. Mostly. They're tough. They wake you up all the time. They, they make some obnoxious smells. They throw up constantly. It's, it's not pleasant. But they're cute. So we hold on to them. You get them, you hold them, you're, you're the grandparents, you're great because you hold them, they throw up on you, you give them to somebody else, you wipe it off, and they can hold them for a while until they're done throwing up. Imagine a 90-year-old woman having a baby. You notice, I only hear groans from women. I hear a murmuring among the women. All the guys are like, yeah, and? <laughs> yeah. And she conceived and bore Abraham a son as God had promised. The promise fulfilled. And Hebrews catches the story and comes back. And I'll pick it up at Hebrews because it's a, a story I'd love to just spend the next 20 minutes on. And I'm going to try not to. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. And you know why they named him Isaac? They said because everybody who hears this story is going to laugh. Now, I don't know whether they're going to laugh in ridicule or laugh with joy, but they're going to laugh. They're going to go, whoa, really? 90 years old? Seriously? And he's how old? No. <laughs> That's amazing. It's at least going to be that. He offered up Isaac. He who received, Abraham, who received the promises, offered his only son. Hmm. Type and antitype. A prefiguring picture that would teach us something greater later. Here is the one 
to receive the promises, giving his only son. Because the one who gives the promise in it is promising his only son. If you remember the story, there's a moment. There's a lot of moments. Abraham and his son separate from their servants and they head up the hill. Abraham says to his, son, to his servant, we will be back. We. There's only two of them, so he's expecting to come back with his son. On their way up the hill, <laughs> Isaac does a little accounting. He says, okay, uh, we got fire. We have wood. We don't seem to have a lamb. And his father says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the sacrifice. Who is the lamb for the sacrifice? Little laughter was going to be the lamb. Laughter was going to be the sacrifice. Isaac, I think, begins to understand the implications of what's going on. They get to the top of the hill. I don't want to have that father and son chat. Son, God told me to come up to the top of this hill, on top of Mount Moriah, where Jerusalem would one day be built, where the temple would one day stand, where, where uh, the Dome of the Rock stands today. Up on that very hill, they went to the top of that hill. And he says to his son, God says it's you. And Isaac doesn't run away. If perhaps the greatest act of faith on that day is Isaac's faith. We, we give a lot of credit for Abraham's being willing to sacrifice his son, but Isaac stayed and allowed this to happen. Hands bound, feet bound, I don't know. But they build an altar, and I, I would guess Isaac builds it too. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son. At that moment, and not before. The angel of the Lord called him. Does Abraham have skin in this story? Is he willing to do whatever is required here? Has he completely surrendered to doing the will of God as he understands it? As much as anybody does, he did. And in that moment, they saw the ram, and he took it and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his God provided the first picture for us. Now, I think Adam and Eve may have had this picture before. There's a lot of offerings given before we get to see this. But I think this is where we get to understand that there is a substitutionary death instead of ours. That the sacrificial lamb is prefiguring a substitute that takes our place. That is, Isaac doesn't have to die. 
no one does. That there will be a sacrifice that is provided by God to meet the need, to meet the desires of God. So how did God do it? You know the Christian story, most of you, I think all of you probably. The gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. The gift of righteousness shall reign. He says you don't have to let sin reign on the throne of your life. The gift of righteousness can reign on the throne of your life. You will be as Abraham was, covered by a commitment you make to, uh, to, uh, to a sacrifice that was made. If you are going to be willing to say yes to Jesus, he is willing to say, record's clear, and you are righteous in my eyes. Your sins are forgiven, and you can go on from here clear. A substitutionary sacrifice made for us. This is why chapter 5 is full of these much mores and abundance and superabundance. Because he is saying, Adam sinned and got us into this mess. Adam was just a created being. Remember, he started from dirt. Dirt got us into the problem, but God got us out. Dirt caused the problem we're all having with sin, but God came and died so that we could have righteousness. We got in trouble because of dirt, but more, a more abundant, superior gift was given to allow us to get out of that trouble. It was Jesus Christ himself. The third member, or the first member, or the second member, you can count him how you like, of the Godhead. Comes in human cloaking. Comes as a person like you and I, lives on our messy little planet, our sinful little planet, a life that is perfect. Dies as if he had sinned all of the sins of the planet. And puts the record of his perfection on account for Abraham and for us. What was accounted to Abraham as righteousness was the righteousness of Jesus, yet prefigured in that lamb. And what is put on account for you and for me is the righteousness of Jesus, who died taking our sins so that we could live without them. And he wants to reign on the throne of our hearts. And it comes down to the Abraham question. Will I trust him? When conviction happens, nothing changes. When response to conviction happens, everything changes. If we say no to conviction... We will back away from God every time. It doesn't mean he won't pursue us, but we will back away. When we say no to God's convictions in our lives, we'll back away and God will keep coming. When we say yes to God's convictions in our lives, we move a little closer to him we become more confident in his next request. 
we become a little more sure, a little more comfortable that he actually wants to bless us. Abraham walked down the mountain with his son because God provided a lamb for the sacrifice. You and I are invited to go home with Jesus because he was the lamb for the sacrifice. The gift of righteousness can reign in our hearts because Jesus gave the gift. What shall we say then, Romans 6 begins? Shall we continue to sin because we're covered by his grace? We have grace. We do what we want. Right? Are you sure? Because that seems logical, really. It seems logical. If Jesus died an adequate sacrifice to cover every sin I could ever commit, why don't I just keep committing them? Why not just profligately go around doing whatever to whomever with the assurance in the back of my mind that God will take care of it. Have you ever been convicted and tried to take an early withdrawal on grace? You know what I mean by that? You're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing. Right? Or you're about to do something you know you shouldn't be doing. And the conviction hits you right there. And you're like, oh. Have you ever said, well, God will forgive me. It's a dangerous spot, isn't it? I've told you about my friend in college who said, I know what the signs of the times are. I know what the signs, according to the Bible, of the end of time are. And therefore, I'm going to do what I want until I start to see the signs of the time. And then I'm going to get right with Jesus just before he comes. Dice anybody? That greyhound could take you out at any moment. You better live your life carefully, man. By the way, he didn't do that. He converted seriously by the time he was 30, so feeling pretty good about that. Paul says, should we just go on sinning? No way, by no means. This is the strongest negative he can possibly give you. We are those who have died to sin. When did we die to sin? Buried in baptism, resurrected anew. Filled with the Holy Spirit, given the gifts that the fruits of the Spirit called to a relationship with Jesus that will constantly grow us toward Christ's likeness. We have died to sin. How then could we live in it any longer? How does it work? I have been set free from sin and become slave to righteousness. How are you doing with that? Do you have skin in this game? Are you rebelling against this game? Are you struggling with this game? I have been set free from sin. When I was set free from sin, I became a slave to righteousness. When I was young, which has been a few years ago, I used to think this was kind of a drag. 
because all the fun stuff seemed to be happening on the sin side of the table. <coughs> I know none of you ever thought that way. But I did. I'd seen enough of the stuff that was going on on the other side of the table. I thought, there's a lot of, a lot of things on that side of the table that are drawing my attention. And you want me to become a servant of righteousness. You know, they say if you get, as you get older, you get wiser. Yeah, that, there's really nothing on that side of the table that's worth the cost. The prices on that side of the table are way high. The wages of sin is death. Paul will say in, the cha- in what we read today, those of you who used to be in sin and have all of those records in your mind of the things you're now ashamed of, what was the fruit of that life? That's the question he answers with the wages of sin is death. It'll kill you in tiny little cuts or in one fell swoop, but at the end of the day, it'll kill you. It will. So I want to take you to a picture Jesus painted to his disi- for his disciples just before he died. He said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, if you stay connected with me, if you abide in me, and I in you, you will bear a lot of fruit. The natural outcome of the branch being connected to the vine is that the branch produces fruit. Now Jesus also tells us in the same story, and the other thing that's going to happen is that God's going to come along, he's going to pick up the branch one day, and he's going to go, you don't need any of this, and clip it off. And you're going to go, well, I like, it's gone. And you'll discover that the bud that he left blooms in ways you could have never imagined because he clipped off the pieces that were sucking life from you that you didn't even realize were there. And fruit will be produced in ways you didn't know you could do. Now having been set free from sin, Having become slaves to God, drum roll please, you have your fruit to holiness. <laughs> you have skin in this game. You're sitting in your living room. We're going to give you a practical picture. You've got your remote in your hand. Click on the channel. And something begins to happen on the channel. It's regular TV. These things shouldn't be happening. But there they are. That as your eyes are drawn to it, inside of you is that voice. Because you now have kicked sin off the throne in your life. And now Jesus sits on the throne. And he speaks to you through the power of his Holy Spirit, and he says, uh, change the channel. And the rubber meets the road. Right? 
rubber meets the road. You have in your power the ability to change the channel, and you have in your heart the conviction to do it. But it's the action of the next moment that will decide where you're going in your brain, in your thinking, in your choices next. Is that practical enough for you? It happens so often in our present society. So much of this stuff gets thrown in your face all the time. And he says to you and to me, we're on a road to everlasting life. We're on the road home to heaven. You will enjoy this much better if you knock a few of these things out of your life. Because I'm going to keep coming with the conviction story. I'm going to keep hitting you with the conviction chance. You're going to keep hearing from me until you either change the channel or you turn around and walk the other way. See, the choices are always ours. If we say no to God long enough, if we say no to God long enough, we will get off the path to shut him up. That's how people are lost. They're not lost because God didn't have the, the power to cover their sin. Jesus' death wasn't grand enough to co cover their choices. But they bailed because they got tired of him saying, no, 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 don't do that. They got tired of that convicting voice. They got tired of that convicting string twisting inside of their heart. And they bailed. No one is lost because of faith. Everyone is lost because of choice. Because the sacrifice of Jesus is enough for every sin that was ever committed on this planet. And it all comes down to am I willing to have him cover me? I can bail on it at any time. I want to leave you this last point. It's James chapter 4. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and what will happen? He will lift you up. He says, Walt, change the channel. I can either take over the reins myself or offer the reins back to him, right? I can. I can take over the reins. I can say no, right? When I say, okay, Lord, that's me humbling myself, accepting his leadership, and saying, I believe you have my best at heart. Okay, I'll change the channel. And oh, by ch changing the channel to a tiny thing, is it it? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Catch the other part. So humble yourselves before God and resist the devil. Do you know what those dot, dot, dots say? And he will flee from you. Who lifted you up? 
the Lord did. Who's he really afraid of? It ain't you. In humbling yourself unto the leadership of God, he flees. Get the word. Resist. It does not say defeat. You catch that? It doesn't say overcome. It doesn't say humble yourselves and go to it fist to fist with the devil. It says just resist. You resist, and I'll deal with him. But if you invite him in, I can't kick him out if you invite him in. But if you resist, I'll kick him to the curb. Just resist. So the magic of this whole story comes back to staying in connection with Jesus. Abiding. And when temptation comes, resist. Does this seem too hard for you? It seems kind of easy to me. Now I know practically it gets more difficult because inside of me is this brokenness that wants to choose the wrong path. But the biblical picture is stay abiding and connected with Jesus and he will move you along the path so you look more like him than you used to. And when evil comes, when the devil approaches you with your favorite sin, resist. And God will come alongside and lift you above it. Lift you beyond what you're capable of. Because he's God. Abraham believed God. God told him a story that was unbelievable. I know you're old. And I know you're not capable of making children anymore. I know your wife is in the same boat. But you look at those stars. I promise. Your family, there's two billion Christians. Two billion Christians. And that's not even counting all the Jews in the world. That's just the Christian branch of Abraham's family of faith. And that's just the ones alive right now. I think the stars of the sky are a pretty good picture. Abraham, you will have a family as uncountable as the stars in the sky. And Abraham said to God, cool. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. He said, I trust you. I believe you. I will will step into what you've said. If that's what you want me to do, I don't care how old I am. I don't care how much babies wake up in the middle of the night. I don't care that pampers have not yet been invented. I don't care about all the trouble it's going to cause me. I'm in. And that's all he wants. He wants us just to be in. Romans chapter 6 says, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And those are the only options. Follow me home. Follow me home. Would you pray with me?
Lord, I choose to follow you again today. I pray for everyone who is here, everyone who is listening, everyone who will listen. I pray that you will strengthen the courage they need to say yes. You will give them that prevenient faith to believe you. That there will be that seed down inside of them that knows they did not crawl out of the primordial slime, but that they were made by a loving God who still loves them and still wants to get them home. I pray that you will keep before me and before all of us the reality that creation was a love decision. Salvation, the sacrifice of Jesus was a love decision. And that heaven is a love outcome. That all of this, all of this is for us. And that if you are calling us to some righteousness that we are feeling convicted of today, help us to say yes. Somebody here has been leaving the channel on or turning to a worse one. Give them strength. Strengthen the conviction. Help them to stay on your channel. Somebody here has been falling into the same hole again and again. Lord, take them by the hand and walk them around the hole. Help them because they want to let go. I pray for courage and for faith in your people. In Jesus' name. upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity.
Is the name of the Lord, and worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We worship you, we praise you, we magnify you. We say thank you, Jesus, for your plan of salvation. And even when we messed up, God, you had the plan of righteousness. And we just say thank you. There are no words, there are just no words to just express the gratitude that we feel or that I feel this morning. So we just say thank you. Amen. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you move in the 21st century convicting hearts to hear the voice of God, to turn us from a different direction. Holy Spirit, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities. Help us, Jesus, to hear the voice of that spirit that calls us from the pits. We struggle, God, to say yes to you. You know that. But we come to you this morning and just reach out a hand and say, Lord, please take a hold. Take a hold of me because I can't. I can't do it. And thank you, Jesus, for the compassion and the mercy that you show us every day even when we can't turn the channel. 
let's be real. There are days that we just don't listen to you. But you are faithful is what your word says. And you still pursue your people. And so, God, we lean into that. We are both. We are sinner and we are saved. And we just say, God, take us as we are. And for any person under the sound of my voice that is just saying, I'm not worthy, I can't. There are people around you who are praying and lifting you up in prayer and saying, yes. Yes, you can in the name of Jesus. Yes, you can. So we thank you for the conviction. We thank you for the plan of salvation. We thank you, God, even for the moments in which we wrestle with you. Because that means we're, we're trying to get to you. We're trying to get to you. So, so come just a little step closer and help us, Lord, for today. Help us today because that's what we have. We can't think about tomorrow, but today we say yes. And today we just give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. And God's people said amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus So held captive by depression, 
thank you for worshiping with us. Um, but before we dismiss, I just want to put this out there um, for anyone who's been convicted by the Spirit of God, wherever you are in your life, to maybe take that one step just a little closer. It doesn't mean that you're making the full commitment. He's just saying, hey, will you come one step closer to me? It doesn't matter where you are right now in your life and only what you know and what he knows about you. But I just feel like this is an opportunity that I wanted to put out there for you to just take that step and say yes to Jesus, to starting a relationship or maybe just even saying hi. And so um, if you are wanting, if you are feeling the spirit of God speaking to you, please join us right here on this corner and let's pray for you and your journey and your relationship with God. So again, thank you for worshiping with us in-house and at home. We really appreciate it. Um, we invite you to come to all the classes that are happening throughout the building. There's usually a list up here, but if not, that's okay. Uh, here we go. There's an adult uh, class that will happen here in the sanctuaries. There's classrooms for young adults right here to my left outside of these doors. And a classroom happening right here to my, no, this is my left, right. This is my left right out here down the hall. Anyway, here's the list. If you have any questions, please, you can come talk to me or any of the pastors, and we'd be happy to help you. Um, but again, just thank you so much for worshiping with us. God bless you, and enjoy the rest of your Sabbath. And if you are wanting, again, to just take a step closer to Jesus this morning, I invite you to come to this corner. God bless. generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. And the angels
To the King of Kings, holy, you will always be holy, holy forever. 
You were.